this up as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I need to do this all day. The Matt Sodnicker Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you so much for listening, for your guest suggestions. It means a lot and uh, we have been booking a lot of people through that way. And with me this morning from Seattle is uh, Instagram friend and now live Zoom friend, <laughs> Marley Blonsky. She's a bike advocate and also a fat Seattle-based bike adventurer. <laughs> Marley, welcome and <laughs> thanks for making the time. It's so good to talk to you finally. Yeah, thank you. Great to meet you, I guess, maybe one day in real life. Um, that'd be awesome. I would Happy. love that. I've seen your bikepacking photos and uh, it, it looks like a, just an amazing experience. And from the just the cycling world, how did you get into bikepacking and bike adventuring? That's a niche yeah. of a niche of a niche of a niche. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh gosh, in 2013, um, I, I guess kind of a long story short, um, I got divorced. Doesn't need to be short. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Well, it's kind of rambling to get to the point of going on bikepacking adventures. But um, I got divorced. It was a pretty traumatic, awful experience and um, had this car that I didn't want. And if you're familiar with Seattle, I was living on Capitol Hill and it's a very dense neighborhood where cars don't make a lot of sense. And so I figured I, I don't need this. I don't want it. Um, how can I kind of regain a sense of myself? Cause I was really floundering, you know, just coming out of this marriage and I was, I don't know, 25 years old and just really felt like I was starting over as an adult. So sold the car and, uh, decided I wanted to become a cyclist. Uh, I saw all these, <laughs> and this is going to sound so silly when I say it, but, um, all these like cool looking people, which I guess you'd call them hipsters riding bikes. It's like, I want to do that. (laughs) Um, So that kind of started my whole bicycle journey. Um, And then I fell in with a group that rode bicycles um, every Thursday night for the past, I don't know, 13, 14 years. And every year they do a number of like big group campouts on bikes. And I had no idea that that was even a thing. So like, like you're saying, like a niche of a niche of a niche. Um, I found this group of people who did it and basically learned from them. And I was like, okay, here we go. And so my first trip, um, I packed way too much for one night. They all made fun of me. Um, they were like, are you like moving into this campsite? Like what is going on? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it was definitely a learning process. Um, but I really kind of fell in love with that and like realized that I can go places and I can kind of escape from the city. Um, and I always have a lot going on in my head, just like, so many thoughts and ideas and past traumas from my childhood and being out on the bike and getting out into nature really just helps kind of sort all that out and calm it down. Um, so after that first trip, I was hooked. Um, so just kept doing it, exploring better setups and (laughs) taking less things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's just kind of been a whirlwind since then. Um, and some years it, I go more than others. Um, some years I don't go at all. Um, and then I feel really sad and remember that, oh, I like being outside. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started and where it's going. What's the longest duration you've camped? Uh, I mean, outside, it seems obvious, but what's the longest stretch you've packed in and stayed? Um, this probably isn't going to sound that impressive, but I think four days. Um, uh, sure. Yeah. I, I have a corporate job. I work Monday through Friday, eight to five. And um, as an American, I don't get that much vacation time, unfortunately. Um, so I'm often, you know, balancing vacation time versus like adventure time um, and just trying to plan those, um, those details. I think the other thing too, is I'm just, I get tired. Um, <laughs> I went, <laughs> Oh, wait, so you're a human being. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so I, while I love the idea of going for like a week or two, I don't know if I could actually do it physically. 
Um, I mean, I probably could, and I'm sure your body adapts. And that's what I've heard from people. Um, but it's like, I went on this camp, this Canadian tour a couple years ago with some friends and it was phenomenal. But then I got back after five days or four or five days and just felt like I needed to sleep for two weeks. Um, mm. I don't know. I just, I feel like it always takes me a couple of days when I'm out on my bike to like get used to the sleeping setup to get me into like a good routine. So maybe that's the trick because I need to stay out long enough to like get into like a good sleep routine and then I'd feel better. Um, I, I don't know. Got any, got any advice for that? Uh, I don't. I, I, I love to camp <clears throat> and I love to ride, obviously, and I've never blended the two. So for me, the, the joy of a bed and a shower <laughs> after a, a long day's ride is uh, pretty compelling. But uh, the more that I watch your feed and I've got friends that do it and yeah, even for a night, that would not be, um, you know, it it couldn't rain hard enough to make that so miserable. I'd never want to even try it or the snow. So it, it is definitely on my list and I will, I'll commit to you sometime in the next two years, I'll at least bike pack for a night. I promise. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm even honestly, writing that down. <laughs> that's kind of my favorite style is just like the single nighter <clears throat> because there's so much flexibility with it. I just did one this past Saturday. Um, and I live in Seattle. So we have this ferry system, um, which opens access to, tons of parks and camping spots that, um, you know, you don't necessarily have in the city. So I took this 30 minute ferry. Um, I met up with my sister at the ferry terminal. She took my dogs. I grabbed her, her son, my nephew. So we did kind of a responsibility swap, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I took him camping. He's five. Um, and we just went for one night. We ordered pizza for dinner. So we didn't have to worry about cooking dinner at camp. Um, and then we went to a park that had a playground, it had a beach and it was just so easy and fun and simple. Um, and then got up in the morning and rode back to the ferry and was back home within 24 hours, just easy and fun. So, wow. Uh, back to your question about, <clears throat> excuse me, about like the longer duration. I, I think the only point of reference I have is from my friend, Nick Handy, who had done the tour divide. Okay. that self-supported race from what Canada to Mexico and took him, I'm just gonna say maybe six weeks to do it. And his, I'm not going to say really recovery, but his body transformation was almost a year because he went from that summer to, we were racing single speed cyclocross and his body just over that <clears throat> duration of that trip just transformed him into just kind of, uh, uh, maybe like a slow paced grinder for lack of a better term. And he was, he was a type of writer. <laughs> he grew up racing BMX. And so he, we'd be out on the cyclocross course and I'd see him doing tabletops and tail whips on the cross bike. <laughs> <laughs> and then that fall, he just said he, he had no punch. Like he felt good. He was strong, but just that, that style of writing was just completely transformative and not good or bad. Just, just different. Yeah. Um, tour divide is definitely on my bucket list, although not racing it. Uh, I think I'd rather, you know, take the entire summer and just enjoy the heck out of it. Um, and I, I just don't have a competitive bone in my body. I, <laughs> I did see, speaking of spingle, spingle seed, <laughs> single speed, uh, I've done two of the single speed world championships um oh how which, was it oh my god it's the <laughs> most fun weekend of your life um I really really hope that that comes back um you know you just got to like throw away all your inhibitions um and I remember that the the last one I went to was in Portland and <laughs> I did one lap on the course um was all I made it through before time expired and uh I was in a Santa suit and <laughs> it was so phenomenal. Uh, I, <laughs> and I say that even though like I'm not competitive, uh, I, I don't know. Part of me really wants to, and I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, I would love to actually try racing cyclocross, but part of the challenge is I've never had an appropriate bike for it. Um, you know, I've always had my, my Surly Straggler, which is a phenomenal bike, but I have it built up as like my everyday, um, touring, commuting, grocery getter. So it's got fenders and a dynamo light. And like, I'm not gonna take that stuff off for a cyclocross race. 
Um, but I do have a new bike coming that might work. Um, so I would love to actually give it a try. And I've been riding a lot more this year. Um, so it might be fun to actually try and be competitive in a couple of races. So we'll see. Well, no promises. today is your lucky day because uh, for the past eight You're years. You're going to give me a bike? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> Behind door number two, though, um, I've been putting on Bandito Cross here in Colorado. And it started out as just a way that I, I, I wouldn't call what I did racing when I actually did official cyclocross because I was just at the back and slow and having a good time. But I had a bunch of friends that I would talk about this cyclocross experience and it was just a bridge too far to get, you know, the racing and the license and all this stuff. And so I, I put on uh, unsanctioned races. So I pull a permit, I have insurance and all that. And uh, I have a theme every year and depending on the time of year. And so not last year, but 19, I think. It was in December and it was Santa's versus elves and you had to have a one of the two costumes. That's awesome. <laughs> and so um, it's less a cyclocross race. It's definitely more towards like what single speed uh, worlds is, but we'll have a, a run up and uh, this tradition started a few years ago where there's a stands injector full of whiskey. So when you come up, so... <clears throat> So that story is all to say that if you get out here, you won't need to ship a bike because we will find you a bike for the weekend. So awesome. I, let's make that. Yeah. Okay. So to be totally transparent, I now have potentially three trips to Colorado on the books. Um, so I'm coming out there in August for steamboat gravel. Okay. Um, which <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. And then coming out there in September for a work related trip. Um, and then potentially bandito cross. Um, any idea when that's going to be? Man, that's a really good question. Cause I've done it everywhere from <clears throat> October and Halloween through November, December. So I need to get those gears turning and get it on the books because, you know, as I see other events coming back online and, uh, people doing it, I'm getting a lot of memories popping up in my Facebook feed and, uh, yeah. So, and, and, and the best part is that at the end of the, uh, event, <clears throat> oh, we have two categories, really racing and not really racing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and all genders and, included within there. Oh, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. All bikes, you know, and at the end of it, the first time banditos, we do one of those little soccer kid, uh, tunnels. Yeah. And and I have a big sword and I knight everybody to welcome them to the Bandito Cross clan. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it's funny. And September is my birthday. So when you come out, we'll at least have to meet for a coffee or a beer or lunch. So definitely. Um, I don't even know what city I'm going to. I should look that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's down the road. Yeah. That's down the road. Um, um, yeah, it's funny. It's like, oh, go ahead. No. Oh, I show. was going to say, speaking of events, um, I, in pr the past four years, three years, I don't know, time is a mystery to me. Uh, <laughs> every year, similar to you, except for 2020, have put on um, or helped put on an unsanctioned alley cat here in Seattle. Um, and it's so much fun. We, um, it used to be called Girls of Summer. Now it's called Moxie Summer Jam. Um, we, we changed the name to be more inclusive a couple years ago. And we're getting a lot of requests to do it again. Um, so I'm itching to do it, but I got to talk to the co-organizer, um, and figure out if we have the bandwidth to do it. And if we're really ready, um, you know, I think one of the joys of that event is the after party. And I don't know that I'm ready to, uh, ask that many people to come together yet. Um, so we'll see, we'll, we'll see if we do it this year, or maybe it's a moxie winter jam or something. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's it's the after party. It's less about the uh, the bike race, right, and just the the camaraderie and and just the socialization afterwards, for sure. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I, I I even looked at it last year and just decided to push it. But we had to have a social distancing plan and a whole bunch of other things, and they had this odd cancellation party or policy. You know, <clears throat> not not uh, super complex. We're not launching a rocket here, but still, there was just some uncertainty and with 
lockdowns going up and down, kind of like, oh, well. Exactly. And I just don't want to put the community at risk. It's like you Correct. want to build community and create this inclusive, welcoming environment. But how awful would it be to like be a COVID super spreader event? Like- <laughs> I said the same exact thing. I said the same thing. Like, like oh, I don't, I don't want that kind of heat. <laughs> no, not at all. So yeah, I think I interrupted you though. What are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, you know, the, this podcast and the warm front actually spun out of the trauma of divorces as well. Mm. And the bike has always been, you know, for years it was a place of enjoyment or fitness, whatever that looks like, but those rides and, you know, I've learned now that I can start creative endeavors without going through a divorce, which is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little bit cheaper and a lot less painful, but yeah, it's a um, wonderful discovery, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I look back on those days when I you know talked to somebody sharing that experience and it seems so far removed and it's kind of like it, for me, it's transformed a little bit into, um, a powerful movie that I've seen a lot of time, many times, and it still um, has an impact, but just a lot less. Uh, Very, very similar. Um, You know, that photo that I put up yesterday on Instagram um, had actually popped up in my memories of like eight years ago today. And I was like, kind of hit with those (laughs) visceral feelings. (laughs) Yeah, like I remember exactly where I was at when I found out that uh, my partner was having an affair and kind of exactly that like cascade of, events and that terrible spring and summer and then like just everything that came out of that and you know I I think I've said this many many times um I I don't regret any of it um and I'm really grateful for where I'm at today um but I hate the way it happened and there was Mm -hmm. a lot of unnecessary hurt um so I would just like well, I've got the soapbox, implore people to just talk to your partners. Like, don't have a goddamn affair. Like, <laughs> it's just not worth it. Like, it might feel sexy and fun, but just have a conversation. And have the the courage to really own up to who you might be and just yeah. say, hey, I'm 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 attracted to this person or I'm done with this relationship, but just have the guts. Just you know, face, look in the mirror and have the guts to say it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, not only did it like, you know, obviously ruin our marriage and the other couple's marriage um, cause they broke up, but it really screwed me up for a lot of time to come, like learning how to trust again and feeling like I was um, capable and worthy of being loved. Um, and I still struggle with that. So um yeah. If you're considering having an affair, don't do it. <laughs> I'm actually, <laughs> you can see my face right now. Don't do it. I'm like, I'm a really big proponent now of like open relationships and just like recognizing that maybe like one partner or having one partner isn't the best or most realistic option um, for a lot of people and expecting one person to be everything to you might not work out. Um, but I'm also a big fan of letting people make their own decisions for their relationships. So whatever works for you. Yeah. And the, the recovery part that you had mentioned, I talked about this, um, couple episodes ago that, uh, three, four years ago, and I just kind of started this recording and this learning how all this stuff works. And I had recorded a, almost a, episode with myself just to capture how raw that feeling was. And I just remember my uh, glamorous studio was the only carpeted room in the house. And I used to record on a, on a bed when I had this kind of, you know, microphone and just, there were some points I put pillows around me. So it was not, not famous and sexy at all, but I had just dumped those emotions out and I still have the file it's still, I see it every time I release an episode and I haven't felt the need to go back and um, listen to that, but it was good to just get it out. And, and I journaled a lot back then. And, but uh, yeah, just the, the, 
yeah, it's just a, a cannonball off the deep end that just sends, you know, shockwaves throughout the whole, the whole life. And yeah, yeah, I think when you think you're just like dipping your toes in and like going to enjoy a nice sunny day. And then it's like, just kidding. We're going swimming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you raised a very, very pertinent point that I always remind myself that I, it, it takes work to cultivate this, but just be open and be in the moment and open, not necessarily in relationships, but just open to what's happening. And, um, <laughs> I recently turned on the, uh, the dating apps after, you know, swearing to people that if I ever did it again, I, I said, you and verbatim, you could punch me in the wiener if I ever do this again, <laughs> but, um, you know, so the word's out. So I'll just probably have to wear a cup for the next couple of weeks until they find out. How but, are the uh, dating apps going for you? Uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. I find that um, just a couple of things that there's a lot of not in the moment statements, not from everybody, not from every woman out there, but there's a few that are <clears throat> like this, 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 and this, like a checklist. Mm. And um it's not that I don't have goals and dreams and plans, but um, everywhere from like a Yiddish phrase I heard about that says man plans and God laughs to a Navy SEAL phrase that the enemy gets a vote. So no matter what I want and no matter what I plan and what my hopes, desires and dreams are, <laughs> if there's another human being involved, like it's a coin toss, like good luck, <laughs> you yeah. know, so but um, going in and I'm and when I was younger, Marley, I was quite, oh, I was quite perfect and quite judgmental. <laughs> and and um, oh, tell me you more. Know, <laughs> you know, and, and life uh, deals those cannonballs and those curveballs and just um, just wanted to be just a better person. That's a whole we'll, we'll talk about that in September over beers, but okay. um, just you know, it, I think at the start of it, like to answer your question, finally about the dating apps, just looking for just a decent person to have some laughs with and all right, let's talk about tomorrow and just in that. And the other thing I find interesting is that, um, there's like snippets. <clears throat> and so anybody that has, you know, must speak sarcasm in their profile. I don't know when that became a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> nope. Cause to me, and again, coming from, you know, uh, you know, being a quite famous podcaster <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, having some improv training, like, it's just not fun. You know, it's, I, I rank puns as like the lowest form of humor. Sarcasm is kind of narcissistic and mean and just not very funny. And, you know, I see that and I was like, what, what does that even mean? Do you even understand that? And it's like, I, you know, just sarcasm isn't cool. Right. So I, you know, none of that stuff, but just, let's just have a cup of coffee and see what this looks like. And just, can we just fucking relax for a minute? <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to like, just, and I don't drink that much, but to even like go out to bars and just flirt with people in person. Like <laughs> I found myself at the grocery store the other day, like almost asking my, um, cashier for their number. And then I was like, no, this is inappropriate. They are at work. And if I was at work, I would not want that done to me. So I like left then. I don't know. I'm just like thirsty and I'm so sick of the apps. I don't know. I feel like I've been on <laughs> Tinder for years and that's not true. Cause I was like, I've been in relationships and off of the apps and, um, but yeah, same. Well, so I'm just ready for real life interactions. So if anybody envisioning... has friends that they want to set me up with, I'm here. <laughs> all right. We'll, 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 we'll put that, we'll put that out there too. <laughs> <laughs> I date all genders. I should have like this unlimited pool of awesome people, but <laughs> uh, I was telling somebody the other day, like I'm at the perfect age for this actually. So I'm 35, right? Or no, okay. I'm 34. I'll be 35 in a month and a day. Um, not that anybody's counting that. Uh, <laughs> so May 24, first 22nd mm -hmm. okay first yeah, yeah yeah oh you're writing it down this is great uh <laughs> well it's important i want to be able to say happy birthday so if i write Thank it down you. it usually happens 
Yeah. But so anyway, being 35 on the dating apps is perfect because I can, (laughs) I can set my age range from like 23 up to 50. And like, I know that I'm not going to like, and I apologize for saying this, but be in a relationship with like probably the 23 year olds, but they're typically like really hot and like (laughs) fun for a night and they're kind of dumb. And (laughs) like the 30 year olds are great and like probably most compatible with me, at least in terms of like life stage. And then like the 50 year olds kind of maybe on the downslope, not all of them. Like, I don't want to offend anybody, but like, that's also who I can have great conversations with. So it's like, I just have this great spectrum of people to uh, potentially match with. So I don't know. I think it's the perfect age. Some might disagree. (laughs) I call the younger ones bottle rockets. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. And that's it. (laughs) It's not long lasting. Yeah, which is fine, um, as long as you're clear with your expectations. Sometimes that's all you need. As long as everybody's on board and consenting, I think that can be totally fine. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, the pandemic, uh, not confused, it muddles things a little bit. And uh, I think it's made everybody a lot better at talking about boundaries and consent and um, you know, topics that typically would only come up in the bedroom they come up all the time now of like masks on masks off. Like, are we meeting in person? Like, do you want to do a zoom call? Um, so I think in terms of that, it's actually been really cool for across the board, um, consent conversation. So. Yeah, I would totally agree. I'm I'm picturing this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm picturing this sketch back at you at the grocery store where, um, like for like seven times, you just have one item just going through the belt and you just pay and you just go back to the store and get something else to that same cashier. I mean, I almost (laughs) went back yesterday to see if they were there again. And then I was like, no, Marley, like give it a couple of days, like play the slow burn. Like it's like the Trader Joe's down the street from me. And the really funny thing is probably five or six years ago, I did the same thing, but it was this person who was like stocking cold brew coffee or something. And I like started up a conversation with them. And then the next time I went in, he was like, Hey, you're the cold brew coffee girl. And I was like, yeah. And so we started flirting and exchanging numbers. We ended up dating for a little bit. Um, So this would not be the first time I dated a Trader Joe's crew member if it worked out uh, after picking them up at Trader Joe's. (laughs) (laughs) A little embarrassing. I'm going to give you just a little challenge. I'm going to give you three days to, to ask that person out okay. <laughs> and don't overthink it. <laughs> okay. That means I have to go to the grocery store, which is exciting. Okay. I love Trader Joe's. So, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just try it. Like just go one item, just like, you know, some ginger chews and then some mochi and then just kind of like circle back around. <laughs> and then if they don't figure it out, you know, after by like the fourth time through on the conveyor belt, you know, then just like, you know, Oh, that's the like, oh, here you go. Like the fourth time through. It's like could just be your number. phone number. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. The problem is, is my Trader Joe's is kind of like, um, and I hope this isn't offensive, but kind of like Soviet Russia where you have to line up outside because they only let a certain number of people inside. Uh, so it would be like, you know, I get my groceries, go get in line again outside, come back in, <laughs> go get in line again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. So it'd be a little delayed, but I can still do it or I can just go at like a slow time. Um, But that might make it even funnier. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a lot of Russians listening to this podcast, so I think we're okay. Fair enough. But yeah, I don't, did they, did they ever do that for you in Colorado? Like limiting the number of people inside of businesses? Yeah. And it seemed almost that it was uh, business dependent. I was in Boulder over the weekend and there was a tea shop that had uh, 10 people max. So one in, one out. And then we went to a record store where everybody was masked up and it was just come on in. And so maybe it was um, because one is food, food restaurant and the other's not. I'm not really sure, but um, it, I, I have seen here in Denver, Boulder, <clears throat> Golden, just a huge variation in um, even like brewery to brewery or coffee shop to coffee shop, just the, the difference in policy or enforcement or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, yeah, that's interesting. Most places here are very strict about like whenever you're inside, masks on. Yes. Unless you're like sitting down and eating. Um, and then you can take your mask off. Um, Correct. Which feels so strange to me. Like I still feel very weird going inside of places. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get over that or like if I'll ever go to a concert the same way again. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So let's let's move on to um, being a bike advocate and okay. you know, build that out for me a little bit, like your uh, your particular flavor of that. Yeah. So it actually it didn't start with being a fat person and trying to get more fat people on bikes. It really started by biking around Seattle and getting frustrated with the infrastructure um, and feeling mm. unsafe. Um, there has been tremendous development in Seattle of bike lanes and safer routes. <clears throat> and that's, you know, largely due to a lot of bike advocates um, working with the city council, the department of transportation to put that infrastructure in place. Um, but that's really where I got involved because I was commuting to and from work and just had too many close calls with cars or pedestrians. Um, there was one day, I want to say it was like, I don't remember exactly when it was and I apologize, but um, I was on my route to work and um, had gotten to work and probably 30 minutes later, my phone just started like blowing up with text messages. And it was like, hey, are you alive? Are you alive? Like, was that you? Was that you? And I was just like, what, what are you talking about? And there was a woman who was my age who had gotten killed like a block from my work. And um, that really kind of set into motion of like, okay, I, I need to do things. Um, so just got involved from there basically. And then um, I am not good at being patient or following rules. Um, so <laughs> I get frustrated when it comes to like city council meetings and like waiting to give public testimony or um, just kind of like the red tape that a lot of these like long processes have to go through and realize that like, okay, a better use of my time might be community organizing or um, community building, um, which is in my mind is still a form of advocacy and activism. Uh, but if I can get more people onto bikes and more people showing more people safe routes, like that's really where my skill set lies and not necessarily talking to policymakers. Um, even though I don't mind that, it's just not my favorite thing. Um, so it kind of morphed into that. Um, started writing on my blog. Um, and then folks started asking me like, hey, what clothing are you wearing as a larger bodied woman? Um, you know, what bicycle are you riding? What saddle are you using? Um, and then Instagram became a thing. And then it just kind of went from there um, and realized, hey, I really do have this kind of wealth of information about being a fat person on a bicycle. Um, like 60%, depending on where you draw the line, of Americans are fat. Um, I could help a lot of people out with this. Um, so that's kind of where it grew from, but it's definitely not my only like passion in bicycle advocacy. Like I love getting kids on the bikes. I love getting high schoolers. Mm. Like, oh, if I could talk to high school girls and just be like, ride a bike, that would make me so happy. Just empower them. Like, yeah. Some of those best memories are me and my son and my daughter just going out for rides and just, you know, learning, helping them learn how to balance on their little strider bikes and then going out and you know they're not into it as much as i am but you know we just enjoy the the simple pleasure of just taking a cruiser bike and you know going and getting some ice cream or something it's just exactly yeah you know, I, I don't think a person could ride a bike and not smile at least once totally yeah um and then you know especially like tourists or anytime i go visit a new city exploring it by bicycle because I feel like you see so many different things uh, and just getting people to slow down. Um, yeah, I, I think just sharing the joy of that or showing people that like life doesn't have to be stressful. You don't have to drive everywhere and be stuck in traffic and look for parking and the litany of things that come with a car, like mm -hmm. all of that can go away on a bike. Um, sure. Like you have to build more time into your schedule. Um, but it's really lovely when you just get to like ride somewhere and see all these things and then show up and you're there. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the, like, I don't want to focus on like the, 
you know, the, not the horror stories, but what are some of the challenges that you've experienced with bikes, the bike industry, bike shops? I can speculate having worked in a shop and, uh, being a male dominated industry and I'm not looking to, you know, pile on and just shit on anybody, but, um, you know, more, maybe more like awareness or challenges that you've experienced and what could an individual, let's say somebody in a bike shop that heard this, what could they do better when you walk in the door? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I encounter and I still get this all the time is the assumption that I'm a beginner. Um, and I think this happens to folks all the time. You know, if you walk into a bike shop and you're not fully kitted out, um, <laughs> they just assume that you don't know anything about bikes. Um, and that gets really, really frustrating. Um, you know, on some level it can be, it, it's a weird caveat because on some level it can be nice to like have an assumption of like no previous knowledge. But if I'm asking about like, you know, rotor size for my disc brakes, like clearly I have some level of knowledge, like engage <laughs> with me on that level. Um, I think another frustrating thing can just be like lying to me about like weight limits or sizes. Like if I go into a shop and I say like, hey, do you have this jacket or, or hey, do you have a rain jacket that would fit me? And they're like, oh, you can try this extra large. I'm like, no, I've tried that before. I know it's not going to fit. Mm. Do you have any larger sizes? They're like, oh, let me go look in the back. Like, if you know that they don't make it in a larger size, just say that. Like, I it could be really, really frustrating. Um, also, like, um, I was riding a really lightweight road bike for a long time and constantly breaking spokes. Um, and it probably took like three different shops before uh, one shop that I still go to and know and love and trust told me like, Hey, these wheels might not be strong enough for, and he phrased it really well. I think he said for the type of riding that you're doing and the stress that you're putting on your bike, he didn't say anything about like how much you weigh. Um, but that was the implication basically. Um, he was like, I think you'd do better if, you know, you got some wheels with, um, more spokes and that were a little bit stronger and more durable. And we did that and that solved all my issues. Um, so I think just really being honest with people, uh, you know, fat people, we know that we're fat. We know that we put more stress on things. Like you're not going to surprise us with anything. Um, so I think those are the, the biggest things. Um, just coming at it from a sense of empathy um, and honesty. If you don't know the answer to something, like if somebody asks you, Hey, what's the weight limit for this carbon bicycle? And you're like, I don't know. Like, research it together, like go over to the computer and pull up the, the bike manual um, and you'll <laughs> find it in there. Like, it's okay to say that you don't know. And that's way better than lying to somebody and saying like, oh, it's fine. Like you weigh 300 pounds, you're fine. Like, that's not true. Like, <laughs> 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 and I've had that happen before. So it's beyond sales 101. It's just basic conversation skills. Just ask a question, just be interested and, and be honest. It's not yeah. that hard. Um, I, you know, Gene Hodges, who I worked at a shop, uh, as an adult, you know, when my first marriage ended and quit my engineering job. And I was, um, probably in my mid thirties and working, you know, full time at a bike shop, you know, hourly employee with a, you know, engineering degree, <laughs> but one thing I loved about Gene is that he, he taught me a couple things that I never forgot is that when somebody comes in with their bike, <clears throat> they love it. Just assume that they love it and it's their pride and joy. They've got memories of it and there's always something newer, shinier, faster, lighter, more expensive, but this could be their grandma's bike, or this could be the bike where they met their spouse or something like that. So, you know, don't, ever insult somebody's bike and um yeah and and trek uh, to their credit this was back in 2007 maybe they actually had a sales training course and part of it was just the the, the difference in speaking to a female customer and not you know i don't think mansplaining was probably a term back then but that's kind of where they were going with it and just you know not overwhelming somebody with data speeds and feeds and weights and gear ratios and blah, like all the, 
all the nerd engineer cycling types, just where do you like to ride? You know, how much do you ride? Just ask a bunch of questions. And yeah, that, that would definitely be, and yeah, that would help the bike industry a ton and just a shop. I think, you know, part of the underlying issue though, too, is like the value and how much we're paying these bike shop folks. Like it's really hard to expect, um, uh, a high level of service and engagement when sometimes like I so similar, I worked in a bike shop and it was really hard for me to make a living. Um, mm-hmm. Seattle is an expensive city on a bike shop salary. Um, so I, I feel like it's one of those things where we need to elevate it to uh, a profession that's valued um, and then give the folks the proper training and, you know, expect a level of professionalism from them. Um, but I know a lot of the bike shops around here, especially the bigger brand ones, um, they hire college kids because um, that's who can afford to make those kind of wages. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, a larger industry issue overall, too. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of pressure on the supply chain. And then at the retail side, it's it's a tough nut to crack for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, it's been wonderful watching your Instagram feed because um not that I wasn't aware that there were larger people out on bikes, but you and Ebe from XL Biking and just seeing that, like, you know, and when I've been trying to engage people on social media, I just want it to be someone that I would ride and have a beer with. And I don't care how far we would go. I don't care what bikes were on. Just the the messaging and the things that people are posting on Instagram, it's like, Oh yeah, we would we would totally be friends in real life. Yeah. And <clears throat> and seeing that and then with my company and my exposure this podcast, just wanting it to feel that it's you know inclusive and safe and just hey man, just just come hang out. Like that's all I'm trying to do. So I just want to say thank you. It's not lost on uh it's not lost on me that what you're doing and it I wouldn't say it opened my eyes, but it just made me aware and made me want to support what you're doing. I really appreciate that. Um, You know, it's funny because, um, sorry, I have a a coworker IMing me, even though it says do not disturb right now. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Just yell at her. Do you know who I'm talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Send me an email, please. Um, No. I, I don't have a lot of strategy behind like my posts or my post order or, you know, I'm going to put this story up or go live at this time. And like, I just, I hit 10,000 followers after the film came out and I've been inundated a little bit with like requests from random companies out of the blue, like not cycling companies, not body positive companies just like hey be an ambassador for us like you have a lot of followers i'm like who are you like what and so i'm realizing that like there's a lot of um bullshit on instagram and people like what (laughs) i don't know i guess i'm pretty naive to all this but like perfectly curated feeds and like it influencers in in air quotes that like all they're doing is promoting products and that's not what I want to do. Like, I'm, I want to be clear. I'm happy to work with companies and like be, um, we, we live in a capitalist society. I need to pay my rent. I need to pay my bills. If I could do this bike thing full time and like get other people on bikes, like that would be the dream. Right. So I would love to do that, but I also like want it to be authentic. Like mm-hmm. I want people to know who I am. I want them to be excited to ride bikes. Not because I put up a post of me, like posing cute next to my bike with like a perfect background. Like that's not who I am. So, and I think it really resonates with people um, that you don't have to be that way to enjoy riding a bicycle. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's nothing wrong. And I've got plenty of feeds or plenty of uh, accounts in my feed that are like this sexy bike and all that stuff. And the bike industry is no different than cell phones or cars or computers. There's innovation and and newer and there's a purchasing cycle and a retail cycle. I get that, but, and I've had my ass kicked on the mountain bike by, you know, a guy wearing Chuck Taylor's no helmet, a ponytail ripping down this trail on a rigid mountain bike. And 
and then thinking I'm hot shit on my brand new road bike and I just get smoked by, you know, somebody on some vintage steel single speed. And it's just, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, just don't take yourself so serious. And, and, you know, to your point, as I've been growing the, my business, I just want real people that I interact with and I don't, you know, sure. I'm sure I could pay someone to do a curated post and yeah, you know, not even use or wear or care about the product, but I just want someone that <clears throat> actually I reached out to that's genuine and they enjoy it. And we, and to me, it's about the relationships. Like this podcast is not about the listeners. It's about this, you know, hour that you and I are spending together and right. excited that you might be coming out for a cyclocross race and just. I had a warm front order literally around the corner. And this guy and I are talking about going mountain biking this summer. I'm like, that's you know awesome. what? That that's great. That's you know, that's something that, you know, big XYZ bike company, the CEO, he's not doing that anymore. So Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Bigger's and, not better. I'm looking for authentic. Yeah. And uh, finding that fine line and like I'm even realizing that on my own Instagram feed, like when I had 3000 followers, it was a lot easier to like respond to every comment and like get to know folks and actually like go for rides with people. And now with almost, I think I 11,000 or something, I don't know. I don't keep up with it. Um, it's really hard. I miss messages and people are so supportive and I really do want to engage with them. Um, and I feel like I run the risk of like not being responsive to people. Actually, I got an email yesterday from somebody that was like, I've emailed you three times and I feel like you don't like me because I'm just not popular. And I wrote back and I was like, I am so sorry. Like I have a full-time job and two dogs and a life. Like emails aren't my first priority. And they wrote back and they were like, I'm so sorry. I was like, just don't like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And maybe I'm being a jerk by like revealing this, but like, right. Yeah, that email really took a lot out of me because it's like people just have these expectations. And it's like, at the end of the day, I'm just a person. Like, it's it's weird, but I'm, I'm just a person like trying to get through the day just like everybody else. What was the film you mentioned? The film oh, that came out? The All Bodies on Bikes. Yeah, so... Oh, all right. I'm going to put uh, that in the show notes. Yeah, so we... Um, it was uh, two weeks ago... Actually, yeah, three weeks ago, um, we did a, a big film with Shimano that came out. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah. And it's really been, um, it's kind of turned my life upside down, actually. Um, it's had like <laughs> over 160,000 views on uh, YouTube. Um, just had press all over the world. It's been really, really phenomenal. Um, but really kind of launched this whole new side of my bike life and bike career. So it's been really fun. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Have you watched it yet? No, I'm going to right after this. You I should definitely I, watch it. And then we could maybe have a follow up with me and Kaylee. Oh yeah. I would love that. Yeah. 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 I can, I can send you a link to it in the, in the chat. Yes, please. I will uh, post that on all my channels and link it to the episode here. Awesome. Um, well, I think yeah. this is a good part one. I know you've got a hard stop. You've got a, a meeting, but yeah, I'm going to refill my coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, knowing how your life is turned upside down, I, I absolutely really appreciate the time. I know that you, again, we've got all jobs and hobbies and careers and passions. And um, now that you're getting famous, I, I really appreciate the time. Totally. It's been fun talking to you. I had, I apologize. I had assumed that this was kind of a, like a follow-up to the film, like based on like the warm front stuff. So um, you should watch the film and then um, let me know if you want to re-record any of this in light of that. Um, No, let's just do that episode two. Like you talked about with Kaylee. I think that's great. And no, I wanted to talk to you because of just, you know, our relationship we've had through email and social. Yeah. And just get um, to know you. And I'm happy to, um, like, uh, we're coming into summer here in Seattle. I've seen that it's still snowing in Colorado. 
<laughs> yeah, there's uh, five inches on the ground. I'm going to go fat biking tomorrow. Oh my god, it's been it hit it hit 80 this weekend at here, which is wild. Oh man. Yeah, it doesn't usually happen this early. Um, but I think you know as we transition back into fall weather, um, I would love to do more like specific, um, not necessarily promotions, but like posts about the warm front, especially now I that I have that. The, the swipe up link. Um, so I can like put it in my stories and link directly to your website, which is awesome. Oh, that would be great. Um, I would yeah, really it, appreciate that. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier to like get people to actually take action. So, well, thank you. That, that means a lot. And I hope you sincerely like it. Cause whenever I, I send do. them out, cool. Yeah. Um, I wear it all the dang time. Um, especially on the <laughs> cooler ride. So. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. That means a lot. Um, I will post links to your feed, but where can people find you if people want to talk more about this, get engaged in the inclusivity or any part of your, your mission, your journey? Yeah, so probably the best place is Instagram, either my personal Marley Blonsky, or if they want to join uh, an inclusive bike community, we have all, um, at all bodies on bikes, um, which is run by me and Kaylee. Um, and we're trying to make it as inclusive as possible. And then if you need to chat with me, uh, shoot me an email, just marley.blonsky at gmail. Um, Cause sometimes things get lost on the Instagram messages. And give her a couple of days, people. <laughs> I know. I'm human. <laughs> and sometimes I take trips where I don't look at my phone. This weekend I'm going bikepacking and will not be looking at my phone, which I'm very excited Good for about. you. Yeah. Well, keep me informed of your travel plans to Colorado yeah. and I will let you know about Bandito Cross because this is this is one more log on the fire that I want to get this going and we can find you a bike for sure. Let me just close it out and I'll just say, Marley, thanks for talking and we'll see you for part two. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Episodes of this podcast are produced and written by me, Matt Sodnikar. The intro was engineered by good friend Cole Weinman, and our original score theme song, Retro Funk, was composed by previous guest and good friend Randy Wiafe. I also have two requests. If you like this show, please share it with a friend who you think might like it, and also take the time to show them how to listen to a podcast, either on Apple, Transistor, or Spotify. And I know you know somebody out there that would make a fantastic guest. And if you do, please shoot me an email to podcast at thewarmfront.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>